0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on stewarding the overflow. Luke chapter 19. In the city of Jericho, there lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus, who was the supervisor over all the tax collectors. As Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus, do they even still sing this song in kids anymore? They got the coolest kids' songs now, and they are amazing. I don't know if they sing the old ones anymore. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He Climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today, right? Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. He kept trying to get a look at him, but the crowd around Jesus was massive. Zacchaeus was a very short man and couldn't see over the heads of the people. So he ran on ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by, when Jesus got to that place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down, for I am appointed to stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained, look at this, of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat in the house of a crook. Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus. Aren't you glad people probably think Jesus shouldn't eat with you, but he does? <laughs> Isn't that cool? People think, man, why does he talk to them? Why does he bless them? Why do they? But he does. Where'd I go? All right, in the crook, Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, "Half of all that I own I will give to the poor and the Lord, if I have cheated and Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole." Jesus said to him, "This shows that today life has come to you and your household." For you are a true son of Abraham. The Son of Man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. All right, so Jesus, other translation says, Salvation has come to your house, Zacchaeus. Okay, so Zacchaeus pursued Christ and salvation came to his house. And there's Proof that salvation came to his house because the fruit of Zacchaeus' life changed. He became generous instead of greedy, right? And he became one who wanted to give recompense to what he had done wrong. And so he wasn't self-preserving, but he realized just seeing Jesus gave him faith to give away half of everything he had, right? And to restore full time four times what he had stolen. That's the type of revelation yeah. we need to have of fullness in Christ, right? So we quit trying to preserve ourselves. All yeah. right, so verse 11. So keep that little part in mind, but let's keep reading. At this time, Jesus was getting close to entering Jerusalem. The crowds that followed him were convinced that God's kingdom realm would fully manifest when Jesus established it in Jerusalem. Okay, so he told them this story to change their perspective. So Jesus knew that the people with him were thinking the thoughts they were thinking. That when we get to Jerusalem, that's when he's going to set up his kingdom. What's amazing is they just witnessed him set up his kingdom. Right? They just witnessed him set up his kingdom in Zacchaeus. Today, Uh salvation has come to your house. The kingdom of God is being established in your house. And so they just looked right past that, but we're looking forward to Jerusalem. What are we looking forward to past what he's trying to establish where we are right now? Some people are looking to heaven, but the kingdom is trying to be established in you right now. It's not just the sweet by and by. And so everybody's looking to this. He just told Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house today. The kingdom is being established in you today. Remember what John the Baptist said? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? It's so close, you can grasp it. And Zacchaeus did that. He laid hold of the kingdom. And so Jesus, knowing what they're thinking, he told them this story to change their perspective. To change their perspective about one day when we get there, we're going to have the kingdom the way we want it. Once there was a wealthy prince who left his province to travel to a distant land where he would be crowned king and then return. Before he departed, he summoned his ten servants together and said, I am entrusting each of you with $50,000 to trade with while I'm away. Invest it and put the money to work until I return. Some of his countrymen despised the prince and sent a delegation after him to declare before the royals we refuse to let this man rule over us. He will not be our king. Now, do you see this? There were some people who didn't want him to be king, and they crucified him, right? But very the very next verse, I love this. Verse 15, Nevertheless, he was crowned king and returned to his land. Then he summoned his ten servants to see how much each one had earned and what their profits came to. The first one came forward and said, Master, I took what you gave me and invested it, and it multiplied ten times. Splendid, you have done well, my excellent servant, because you have shown that you can be trusted in this small matter. I now grant you authority to rule over ten fortress cities. The second came and said, Master, what you left me with has multiplied five times. His master said, I also grant you authority in my kingdom over five fortress cities. Another came before the king and said, Master, here is the money you entrusted to me. I hid it for safekeeping. You see, I live in fear of you. For everyone knows you are a strict master, and impossible to please. You push us for a high return on all that you own, and you always want to gain from someone else's efforts. Does that sound familiar? The king said, you wicked servant, I will judge you using your own words. I'll judge you using your own words. If what you said about me is true that I am a harsh man pushing you for a high return and wanting to gain from others' efforts, why didn't you at least put my money in the bank to earn some interest on what I entrusted to you? The king said to his other servants, Take the money he has and give it to the faithful servant who multiplied my money ten times over. But, Master, the other servants objected. Why give it to him? He already has so much. Yes, replied the king, but to all who have been faithful, even more will be given them. And for the ones who have nothing, even the little they seem to have will be taken from them. My dad used to say a quote all the time, and I don't know who he got it from. But he'd say, if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. If God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Now, so we see this. John talked about the seed multiplying last night. We see right after Zacchaeus, the kingdom comes. Salvation comes to his house. Then Jesus knows their hearts and knows that they believe he's going to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem. So he tells them this parable about their always looking to some other thing to try to bring the kingdom. He tells them a story about men who were given talents, given money, given this gift to steward well, and what they do with it turns into how much cities they rule over. So you got to see it like this. The... When he put that talent in their hand, okay, and the Bible calls it a mina in this story, the other other translation, they break it down for $50,000, what it would be modern day. they got that mina in their hand, and so that mina is actually ten cities. So when you're saying, man, the kingdom's going to come, the kingdom is in the mina. The kingdom is in... The the ability to rule ten cities is in that minor. The ability to rule five cities is in that minor. The ability to lose that minor is in that minor. The ability to have nothing is in that minor. I'm not talking about money today only. John did a great job talking about generosity last week. But I just want us to look at today being the promotion that comes through stewardship, the kingdom potential that is in what we have and the reasons why we don't steward it well. Look at, first of all, I think we don't steward it well is because we have this jacked up view of who's asking us for it. I don't have today for you some crazy thing I saw on Facebook, but I have a crazy thing I saw driving down the road. Uh, Right up here, going towards Claxton on Clinton Highway, in front of one of those junkyards, there's a truck out there that had the big words on it, Jesus saves, okay? Somebody has spray-painted extra letters on there, and now it says, Jesus slaves minds, Instead of Jesus saves lives, it says Jesus slaves minds. Anybody who says Jesus slaves minds could not possibly have ever known him. One who left heaven to come and be a servant to all and to be obedient even unto death and die the most disgraceful death possible for us is not one that is making us slaves. John 15 15 says, No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So we have to look at what the opportunity is. The opportunity is not responding to a taskmaster and yielding ourselves to him so that he can get from us what he needs from us to make himself feel better. That is not what this relationship is. This relationship is a covenant with the one who created us, informed us, and gave us everything. What a perfect song today. You're worthy of it all. Not because you're a taskmaster, not because you demand it, not because you expect it, but because you just are worthy of it all. Because you created us, you formed us, you made us, you did it all. And you're a friend. And so there's this partnership with him. It's not a slave mentality, it's a friend mentality, it's a covenant. It's a business partner, the best business partner ever. He put up everything for you to get started. He he created you, informed you, made the infrastructure, put the breath in you, and gave you everything. And you're in partnership with Him. And there's a way to increase what that partnership yields. And that's by faithfully stewarding our end of the partnership. But He did it all. It's so amazing sometimes how we think that it's difficult to give to God. Not just money, our time, our energy, our talent, all of those things. Well, I'm stretched too thin. Well, I don't have money. Well, I don't have time. Well, I don't have energy. Well, I don't have this. Well, I don't have that. We have to stop. We would have nothing. Nothing. It first has to come from a proper revelation of who he is in our existence. We have nothing. That job that you're saying takes all your time, you can't work that job. If God doesn't give you the strength and the mind and the ability to work that job, you not see that everything is from him and to him is everything everything he's worthy of it all all of our existence is because of him and we're bartering around with what's all his and saying I don't have time I don't have energy I don't have money I don't have time how do we do that he's worthy of it all but he's not a taskmaster Look at John 10.10. Read this all the time. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. I'm going to have to paraphrase and just, just write them down. In John 7, 37 and 39. Jesus says, all you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. He told the woman in John chapter 4, if you drink of this well, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink from the water that is me, you'll never thirst again. It'll become rivers of living water flowing out of you. in 2 Kings chapter 4 This is pretty much cliff notes of the rest of my sermon. 2 Kings chapter 4 We see Elisha and the widow whose husband died. She has debt. Her son is going to be sold. Sons are going to be sold into slavery to be able to pay her debt. And she goes to Elisha and Elisha says, "What do you have in your house?" I think one of the first problems is we don't realize who the one is that's asking for it. Second thing, we don't even realize what we have. So the woman says, I have nothing. I have no time. I can't work more. I can't do more. I can't do... I have nothing. This is a hopeless situation. Uh A lot of times that's where we end. I have nothing. God, I love you, you're wonderful, you're awesome, you know, but I have nothing. She said, I have nothing but this jar of oil. And Elisha says, go and get all the pots that you can and start pouring that oil into those pots. And as long as she was getting pots, the oil kept flowing. And as soon as the pots stopped, the oil stopped really makes me think of that saying my dad always said if he can get it through you he'll get it to you mm-hmm. but if it stops going through you it starts coming stops coming to you Amen. Amen. it's like we talked about the seed last week when we purpose in our heart to sow it's amazing how it comes to us acts chapter 1 just before, verse 1, just before he ascended into heaven, he left instructions for the apostles he had chosen by the Holy Spirit. After the sufferings of his cross, he appeared alive many times to these same apostles over a 40 day period. Jesus proved to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. During these encounters, he taught them the truths of God's kingdom realm and shared meals with them. Jesus instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about. The gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every time they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it the time now for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? Isn't this somewhat like the story of Zacchaeus? Is it time? Hey, go wait. You'll be in due with power. Hey, how about now? Go wait. Hey, what about now? Hey, what about tomorrow? Be good, right? Tomorrow be good. Go wait. Hey, when are you going to do it this way? And when? Go wait, and I'll do it how I'm going to do it, right? Every time... They were gathered together. They asked, Lord, is it time now for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He answered, the Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with power. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on earth. So... Here's what I'm getting at. This amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, okay, was preceded by 120 believers acting in obedience to tarry and wait to be filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't say, hey, I got this amazing experience. This experience is going to be euphoric. You're going to love it. It's going to be the best. It's going to be better than any drug you've ever tried. You're- it's going to be amazing. You're going to be so. Fulfilled, you're gonna feel so many goosebumps. It is going to be wonderful, and then you're gonna be able to go out in the streets, and everyone is gonna think you're awesome because you are so powerful. You're gonna speak different languages. This is gonna be so cool if you just will hang out for a little while. I'm going to give you this amazing, awesome gift. Here was what they were waiting on. Okay? Here's what they were waiting on. You're going to be in due with power, and then you're going to be my witnesses all over the place. So they were, they were waiting and tarrying for a gift to empower them to do work, to pour out, to manifest the kingdom. They weren't waiting for, oh, when are you going to set it up for us? When is all this going to happen? When are you going to get in power? And then I can be the person under you in power. And then I can do all this stuff. They were going to wait, and they tarried, and they disciplined themselves, and they, they were waiting and waiting on receiving power to be witnesses. So there was this pursuit There was this seeking after. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But there was this mind made up to be a vessel to be poured out before there was the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So if we want to be the one with the mina that turns into ten cities, or if we want to be the one that waits in the upper room and is endued with power from on high and is, and is created and is fulfilled and able to go out and be witnesses everywhere and operate in power and authority, it comes after, it comes after yeah. the decision to be poured out to be a vessel so again as Johan said last week it's actually the seed that's multiplied and the harvest is enjoyed but the seed is what's multiplied God doesn't just go around multiplying our harvest God doesn't just go around multiplying our experiences It multiplies. I don't know how he does it. When did the miner become ten cities? You know, when did it actually transform? I believe the one miner in the hand of one who would faithfully sow it and pour it out and invest it and steward it was every bit of ten cities in seed form. Every bit of it, every bit of the fullness and the power and everything that would come with it was already there as soon as it was in the hand of someone who was a sower. Who was one who would release it. Who was one who had a right idea about the one who gave it to him, Who knew that he only wants me to be faithful with what he's put in my hand. It's his... He's partnered with me. He could have chose any other ten people. How did that one joker get into the ten that got a minus? is what I always wonder. You know what I mean? Just for a good Bible story, I guess. Don't be the guy God chooses to make a good Bible story, okay? I got to throw Michael in there. I need an example of what not to do. He won't do the right thing. Don't be that guy. I took Evie. We took her to Five Below for her birthday. It's awesome when your kids want to go to Five Below. That means everything is $5 or less. Now, they can still get 35 items if you're not careful. (laughs) But they have a shirt in there that says, That guy, and I want to buy it. They didn't have any of them left. I was going to buy it and possibly throw it out in the middle of service to whichever one of y'all was that guy that day. (laughs) Here, Louise, you're that guy today. (laughs) Don't be that guy, okay? Don't be him. Don't be the guy that's the analogy in the stories that does the wrong thing. Be the one. But you're chosen. You're chosen. Everything you have that you're saying you don't have is because you were chosen. You've been given it. It's been placed in your hand. And if you will purpose in your heart to pour out all of what you've been given, you position yourself for increase and promotion. But when we hold it back because we have a poverty view of who we are and what's in our hand, then it can never increase. You bury it, you hide it, you try to hold on to it, you try to fight for yourself, you try to preserve yourself. Everything you do is in fear and in dread. You give out of obligation. You're just trying to check boxes off. You come to church, you wear your clothes, you know you're nice, whatever. You do whatever you do out of obligation and dread and fear. Not because... This is amazing. Are you kidding me? I have another day. I have another 24 hour period. I have another opportunity to gain wealth through employment. I have another opportunity, God, to make good on what you've invested. I have another opportunity to bring you a return on what you bought. I have another opportunity to make you, to, to just bring sweet gifts to you for everything you've given me. Every day is rich and full with the potential to bring dividends to your partner. Yet we look at him as a taskmaster. And he's trying to mess with mine. You don't have mine You don't have a category over here that's yours. Do you ever look around and just see what could be? You choose to be born here. You choose to be born to the family you're born to. You choose to be in the situation that you're in. Some of you that all those answers may be bad, you choose to bring... You choose to be chased after and sought after by a loving God who's brought you to a place of redemption. Who's put in your life the potential for you to live a life that is full and, and fulfilling and overflowing. You did all that. Like you told Job. I forgot Job, you were there. When I did all that I did. I forgot you were such an intricate part of the whole forming and making process. I forgot you built this life so well yourself. I forgot how what a small part I played. I'm sorry for making any imposition on you whatsoever. Let me just step away. Guys. He loves us. Yeah. He wants us to overflow. Man, There's just so much more I wanted to share just about the Holy Spirit and, and just gifts. Man, I want power. I want authority. Do you? Why? Why? You don't have to beg more. You don't have to plead more. Just go out and start putting yourself in situations where that gift is really needed. And just, bam, it'll show up. If You don't need it. Why do you have it? God is a good steward. I remember right over here in this corner, there was a young man named Jamie Horner. I always want to say James. His dad was James jamie horner a young man sitting over here i was a teenager and jamie horner there was a group of people around him praying for jamie horner he said i just want the fullness of the holy spirit and they're praying for him and i just went over and i was like lord give him the fullness of the holy spirit and i just started praying for him Lord, fill him with your spirit. Lord, just give him power. Give him authority. Give him, just overflow him and overwhelm him. And you know what happened while I'm praying these prayers? I started praying. I didn't understand what I was praying. Come on. I just started praying in the spirit over Jamie Horner. Sometimes I think we need to quit going to auditors and saying, Lord, give me the Holy Spirit. Start going out to places where you need the Holy Spirit, and you'll see the Holy Spirit will come. (laughs) If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. If there's no need for it to go through you because you're shut up and you're holding everything tight, there's no reason to get stuff to you. Start looking around. What do you got? You know Moses? He said, "Go leave my people out, Moses was like I, I what? man well what listen to me. <laughs> Just like Elisha said to the widow, God said to Moses, much more extravagant though, this is out of a burning bush. It's cool. <laughs> Moses holding a stick in his hand, "I don't have anything!" I got absolutely nothing. Don't you see? I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing. Don't ask me to do anything because I have nothing. You guys like, what? What's in your hand? <laughs> it looks like something's in your hand. Is that something? Oh, this old thing, that's a stick. God's like, perfect. That'll work. What, a pot of oil? Perfect. That'll work. God, look at me. Perfect. That'll work. If you'll position yourself to be poured out, more will come. More will come. We've got to quit living these lives. Compartmentalizing. You know, well, God is good, so I'll give him two hours a week or whatever, you know. It's every day. I mean, it's all his. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Because when you got your business partner, you're not doing it on your own. You know, you don't have to wait till Sunday to say, hey, we're having a hard time today. I'm going to need you to put in some more cash. You know, I leave the register open. I mean, it's all yours. You take and give whatever you want, but we're partners in this, right? And so you see today... You know, it's all there. I'm all here. I'm all yours. But it's time for you. You got to put in more. Right? Yep. You can't do that if it's all compartmentalized. Yeah. It's like, God, I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Hey, God, I'm not good. Oh, I didn't know we were partners anymore. Yeah, yeah. Come on. I thought we had a little... I thought we were... I thought we diversified our portfolios, you know? I thought we thought we were branching out. thought you couldn't wait to be independent from me, and you got just enough. And so you thought you could do it on your own, right? Not desperate anymore. Don't need me anymore. Shouldn't be all those words, Desperate and you know, have to and all that. Guys, this is an opportunity. Every day is an opportunity to partner with God. But he comes in the fullness to those. He overflows those who are willing to be overflowed in. Stand up with me. I'm going to let you go. <clears throat> Next week we're going to have a bulletin because I needed that 15 minutes bad. Look, you want to glorify God? John 15, 8, When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you're my mature disciples who glorify my Father. But what, what multiplies for the fruit to multiply? The seed. Another translation, my father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So appropriate, we sang the song today. We're available. If you're looking for a city to show your glory... You want to show your glory by some people who bear much fruit, I'll do that. We all want to do that. Like, oh yeah, I want the harvest. I want the fruit. Well, the seed is what multiplies. So the seed's got to be on the table. You can't keep the seed in your pocket and the harvest multiply. The seed is where it multiplies. If a seed is not open and not available, then the harvest can't multiply. God will not be mocked. What a man sows, he'll reap. But what's cool is, he'll multiply what you sow. I was talking to a family this week. At the end of the day, I think Padre talked about this when he was here, Rick, but I don't remember. At the end of the day, all these hours we work is... Addition. You know, I need to add more hours. Anybody get to the place where there's not enough hours if you keep going with addition? You need some multiplication. You need some supernatural. If you want to bring some supernatural into the equation, that comes the supernatural a demand is placed on the supernatural by people who are open and available to pour out there is no demand on the supernatural with a life that is completely governed by the natural that just I mean I got it dictated I got it added up I got it calculated I got my time I got my energy I got all we and that doesn't even work right it doesn't even work. We still don't have enough time. We still don't have enough energy. We still don't have enough money. So what we really need is an influx of the supernatural. Yeah. And you know what? I think we were never created to ever be able to succeed or, or be fulfilled without the supernatural. I don't care how much the world shows success. We've seen people at the top of success look for fulfillment in the craziest places. Billionaires doing the dumbest stuff ever for fulfillment. Because that supernatural has to come in. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how big the numbers get in addition. We need the supernatural. If it's not in money, we need it in fulfillment. We need it in emotion. We need our soul to be whole. We need all those things to come in. And I'm just saying, guys, I'm not talking about money. I'm not just talking about time. I'm not just talking about energy. But I'm saying our life as a whole is a life that's in covenant with God and must make demands on the supernatural just to exist and survive. And we do that by positioning ourselves. As willing vessels to be poured out of. That's what keeps us connected. That's what keeps us to the source. That's what keeps us being poured into and being overflown in. Is the constant tilt position. If you pour it here, it's going to get on people. That is a way that you keep yourself. Constantly making a demand on the supernatural. And God, joyfully, lovingly, with great fun, will pour it on you. Like the 120 in the upper room. We have so, what we've done is we've commercialized it. And we've said, I'm going to live my life and live my life and live my life and live my life and then I'm going to stop in and get a fix. Then I'm going to live my life and live my life, then I'm going to stop in and get a fix. We've sensationalized the supernatural. We've made it a thing that's out of the norm. When it's just supposed to be, we can't even breathe without. It's part of our existence, our DNA, who we are. We've separated ourselves from life source. We've separated ourselves from kingdom potential by taking our minor and burying it. Because we don't know who he is. We don't know what his intention is for us. And we're blinded to what we have. God, let us see you rightly. I just literally, man, you ever squeeze something? Everybody look at me for just a minute. I know I started praying, so we put our heads down and close our eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody squeeze your fists as hard as you can. I mean hard. Do it a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Then let go. Uh, Anybody hard to let go? Just kind of locks that way. The Bible talks about that in a good way. Our hand cleaves to the sword, we can't even let it go. But, but the enemy works in that too. Our hand will cleave to our life, cleave to our seed. And if we could let go of it, it would multiply. And if we could get in a position to where we don't ever let it get in that form again, <laughs> then we would never even have to worry about it. It'd just be just, I mean, it's just, you know, we're literally trying to just hold it. But he just wants to pour it. Where it's just more than you can handle. I mean, just come on, guys. This is how we're supposed to live every day. Are tired of, oh, let me get my... Oh no, oh, drop here. Oh hold it. Reminds me of a game we played at youth camp. We put holes in buckets and they had to race and try to fill up something else. I mean you should have seen them kids trying to run with that bucket. Every time they get to the end it runs out. Bible talks about that. The unrighteous, I mean they never are filled. They labor for the harvest and then it's all consumed. Remember Gideon, the Mennonites come in and they just eat their harvest and eat their harvest and eat their harvest. But if the seed is being multiplied, then it's just non-stop. All the time. I don't have enough water to show you. And I don't want to ruin the carpet. It's like a fire hydrant. God, help us. Help us to see you right. It's so hard to see you right. Because everything in this world has an angle. Everything in this world wants something from us. Everything in this world makes demands. But God, you want to be in covenant with us, in partnership with us, You are. Whether we ever respond to it, whether we ever align ourselves with it, we are in a covenant. We are in, you created us, you formed us, you made us to fulfill purpose and potential. We are in covenant with you. Whether we ever come into agreement with it or not. So, God, let us see you rightly. Let us see. The kingdom potential and purpose in every moment because of our covenant with you. Let us stop holding our hand closed fist wrapped around our seed. But in every area of our life, let us get a yes. Let us say yes. Let us release our hand. Let us release our hand in a way that seems to diminish us. One of my favorite lines, it came out of a prayer and they wrote it in a song. What looked like surrender and sacrifice was really a gift, a reward, and a prize. Lord, would you take the thing that looks like surrender, and it looks like sacrifice, and it looks like it's going to make us deficient, and it looks like it's going to make us go under, and it looks like it's going to make us not have enough, but will you show us through your perspective and through faith's vision and through faith's eyes how that that very sacrifice and that very surrender is what is going to to unlock overflow and fullness like we've never experienced before in every area of our lives let us be a people who are aware of your presence who are aware of your purpose who are aware of untapped potential and unlocked purpose let us be a people who are aware Not only aware, but positioned to respond in obedience and open and desperate to be in covenant with you in every area. We need an invasion of the supernatural. We need heaven to invade earth. We need your kingdom. Let us not be like those disciples after in the story of Zacchaeus. Not, not be like ones who are looking to some far removed place or some far removed thing. But let us see that what we're looking for is in our hand. It's in our hand right now. It's just all up to what we do with it. What we do with the moments. What we do with the opportunity. What we do with the time, what we do with the money, unlocks heaven's resources. So let us be a people. If you're looking for a people, let us be those people. Because you're worthy of it all. And you give it all to us. In Jesus' name. You say, so be it. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.